everyone. Welcome to the 27th episode of Unfiltered. Today I'm joined with honestly some of the kindest, most informed young people I've ever met. Um, Bria and Kim are from the Heart to Heart podcast, the lived experiences of two black women and they are just so kind and so knowledgeable and so experienced. I feel like it was incredible to talk to people and have them understand and have lived through everything you're saying. Um, and so in this episode, we talk all about imposter syndrome at Ivy institutions um, and how that is heightened by being a young black female or just person of color. Um, and it was just such a great conversation. And I really felt a sense of comfort after it because I was like I know what you're going through um and funny Kim goes to Brown and so do I so that was awesome anyway I'm gonna stop rambling because what else do I do um but I really hope you guys enjoy this episode and it's actually the kickoff of this little mini series I'm doing all about being a young black woman in America oh and quickly 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 I created an intro which is me talking about what the podcast is, who I am, all that jazz. But I kind of like the music better. So I'd love to hear what you guys think. I think I'm going to stay with the music because um, Grace is just an angel and sounds incredible. That's who sang it. Um, but I don't know if you think an intro would be helpful being like, hi, welcome to Unfilter. This uh, podcast is about X, Y, and Z. Um, so I'd love to hear what you guys think. Please comment on underscore unfiltered underscore podcast on instagram or email me at unfiltered20 at gmail.com um because i'm so interested to hear what you guys think but all right i'm gonna go let's get into it hi everyone welcome or welcome back to unfiltered today we're here with two special guests do you guys want to introduce yourselves sure Sure. who do you want to go first (laughs) you can go bria okay hi everyone listening Uh, my name is bria watkins I'm a junior at Penn, and I'm a co-host of Heart to Heart Podcast with my lovely friend, Kim. Um, I guess other things about me, I go to Penn. My major is environmental studies with a concentration in sustainability and management, and I'm so excited to be on this podcast today. Yes, I'm also so excited to be on. My name is Kimberly Collins. I, again, co-host Heart to Heart with Bria, which has been a phenomenal experience. Um, Also, something really awesome is that I go to Brown with Haley. Uh, I'm a junior, and I'm studying public policy and Africana studies. Yeah, that's so awesome, and we're so happy to have you here. Um, And this episode is going to be all about imposter syndrome and how that can be kind of heightened being a young black woman at these predominantly white institutions, specifically when they're very competitive in the schools we go to. Um, So you guys are just so full of knowledge and your podcast is incredible. And you guys even have um, your own series right now talking about kind of your college process and everything that went into that. And I thought we could talk a little bit about your college application process and how I listened to one of your episodes, how you're both discouraged when discouraged from applying to these schools that you were obviously qualified for. And I guess what you think now, like reflecting how that's affected just your self-worth and confidence when it does come to the academic realm. Yeah, I think that is a really great question. Um, And I think just to give a little bit more context, so Bri and I had so many classes together in high school and we even had the same guidance counselor. And so 
when it came time to, you know, the application process, we sat down with our counselors individually, of course, and we were given a list of schools that was supposed to be based on our extracurriculars, our GPA, our test scores, and they were supposed to reflect, you know, essentially the schools that we could get into would reach schools. However, we were given schools uh, that were well below what we could have gotten into, um, and just the majority of them were safety schools, which I think was a huge shock because we both thought that we were doing really well um, and knew that we were capable to apply to prestigious schools like Brown and Penn, yet here we are now being told by somebody whose job it is to, you know, help students through the college process now telling us that essentially we're not good enough for those schools and that we really need to lower lower our standards. Um, and I think reflecting back now, it's, you just kind of have to laugh it off because clearly we did not follow her advice. Clearly we were able to achieve a lot more than she thought, some of our other peers thought. And I think reflecting back now, I'm just really happy that we both, you know, ended up just going with our heart and knowing that, you know, we were capable enough to apply to rigorous schools and that we are worthy of being where we are. I completely agree. I mean, and it was such a weird experience and kind of just, you know, a blow to your self-esteem to hear someone who's, you know, in an authority position, someone who's supposed to be giving you really important, valuable guidance, telling you to like lower your standards, basically. Mm -hmm. That was just kind of a lot to deal with. And I think you know, in terms of imposter syndrome, that definitely adds to your feelings of not feeling adequate or not feeling capable of achieving the things you want to achieve. But I think we definitely were able to at least shake it off somewhat because we got to where we, you know, knew we could be, so. Yeah, and just echoing the sentiments that you both said, it must have been so difficult, this person in this position that's supposed to be telling you where, you know, they're like the voice that's telling you where you can and can't go. Like, they have the experience. They've done it before. So to hear that the schools that you were obviously qualified for were, like, not even on your list is just so upsetting and really makes you rethink, like, everything you did in high school and just, like, mm -hmm. your intellect and how you can perform at those schools. So... I just, that like broke my heart when you said that because I remember like also not necessarily having the same experience because I think my college counselor was like just trying to be honest, but was like, you need to apply to more safeties. You need to apply to more safeties. And I was like, why am I applying to these schools that first of all, I don't want to go to. Mm -hmm. And second of all, just like are not, I don't want to say not worth the effort because I bet they're wonderful schools, but just weren't the schools I was looking at. And to be constantly reminded that the school I'm looking at, I'm not going to get into it, really affected my self-esteem. Because then even when I did get in, I was like, wait, what? How did this happen? Like, where do I go from here? Right. Um, so yeah, I just think that's so difficult. But yeah, you guys really showed everyone because look, you're here. <laughs> and that's awesome. Um, and specifically, as you guys are going to be rising juniors, I was wondering if you remember a specific time or kind of just like a period where you finally found like the language or the words to articulate this imposter syndrome that you were feeling or this like um, feeling that you're not capable of being in the spaces you are and kind of like what you did with that and how you handled that. I, I don't know what you're thinking, Kim, but I know for me, I really lean towards Kim and also just my family. Um, because whenever there was language or me expressing feelings of imposter syndrome, 
I always had family and a support system to kind of counteract those ideas. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talked about this in one of our episodes, but just there was an incident where I really felt kind of off my game and I was doubting myself and my parents were really the main people being like, other people's thoughts are just projections and they don't really have any weight on what you can actually accomplish. And I think that being open and being vulnerable and, you know, having these conversations is so important to get through these feelings and understand what you're feeling so you can like move past them. Cause if you don't talk about it, you're not going to get reassurance. You're not going to get the validation you need. And you're going to just kind of be in this cycle of feeling like you are not worth it or you're not deserving. Yeah, I completely agree. And I also think, you know, thinking back, I don't think in high school I knew the term imposter syndrome or again, like, had the words to articulate how I was feeling, how I know you felt, Bria. Um, but it really was those conversations with other people who identified with what I was going through that really uh, made it easier to just confront all of these different feelings. And I think when I got to college and then when I met other Black students who had similar experiences and were doubted um, and, you know, went through a lot of other feelings of just being like, why am I here? Or how did I get here? Or just, you know, really having those moments of doubt, but us all coming together and being like, there's no mistake that, you know, we're all here in this space right now. I think you just, you just start to really realize that there's so many reasons why you're meant to be where you're supposed to be. And there's just no mistake, you know, that you're in these places that you're at the school. And I think you just have to have those conversations and you have to have a really healthy outlet of people that you can go to and talk about these things with. Yeah, yeah I, I completely agree. Um, and Kim, you, you just touched upon this, I think, mm-hmm. a little bit, but um, do you think that, or both of you, has it been really difficult? And then how did you get through those periods when you felt like, first of all, I'm super hyper aware of my space in a classroom. Um, I think when I first got to Brown, I'd never been more conscientious of the the space I was taking up. Um, And kind of like being in these classes where I was really nervous to speak. And if everyone knows me, I mean, I have a podcast. I'm normally never nervous (laughs) to speak. Um, but I, I just felt like anything I would have said wouldn't have been good enough or wouldn't have been thoughtful enough or wouldn't have been like intelligent enough, whatever it may be. Um, and I don't know if I thought about it so much at the time cause I was really like stressed out with just being a freshman and kind of getting acclimated to my environment. But for both of you, do you think that was heightened with your racial identity and specifically like being female too, being a black female, um, and how that affected you in these like competitive spaces. Yeah, I definitely have similar, uh, stories that I can like recount of just being in first year seminars and just feeling like, wow, I feel just so different right now. Like most times being the only black person in the room, having people constantly like speak over you when you are finally about to, you know, make a point. And I think, when you start to kind of go down these rabbit holes of like, it, like, is what I'm about to say, like, good enough? Am I going to sound, sound intellectual enough? You really start to work yourself up. Um, and I really just try to spiral out of that. And I think the best way to do that is just to, you know, try to raise your hand as much as possible. Try to be bold. Um, also try to figure out who you are as a student. If speaking up in class is just not your thing and it has never been your thing, that's totally fine. 
you know, make connections with the professor, participate in other ways. I think you can show up in the classroom in so many different ways. It doesn't have to consistently look like the only person talking in the room. Um, but I would also definitely say that, you know, being a black female, that definitely has, you know, impacted how I view myself also to how I think people are going to perceive what I'm saying, especially being in all white spaces. Um, you know, I could just remember being in certain classes and knowing that, okay, I'm the only black person in the room right now. I'm about to bring up something regarding like race or intersectionality. And I know that people are going to think that, you know, I'm coming from a biased viewpoint <laughs> because of my identity. But at the end of the day, our voices need to be heard in the classroom. And you know, what we have to say and what we have to contribute is important. And the perspective that we do bring as Black women is critical and is important, it needs to be in the conversation. I completely agree with that. And then also thinking, you know, with imposter syndrome and just expectations placed on Black people and Black women specifically, I think a lot of times there's such an expectation that if we do speak, what we say has to be exceptional. Mm, yes. It has to just be like so profound and it has to be the best thing that like some sliced bread, whereas <laughs> other people, there's so much more room for them to be, be, to be mediocre and we don't get that same grace. And I think for myself, I try to remind myself that, you know, I don't have to let that pressure get to me and I'm in a class to learn and make mistakes and stumble if I do stumble, just like everyone else does. And, you know, when I speak, obviously I want it to be coherent and put together, but not just because I'm Black and I have something to prove. I want to make sure I'm adding to the conversation. And I just like try to remind myself that my words are just as valid and intelligent and creative as anyone else sitting in the class because we're all in the same space. We all got to these schools, so no one's really better than another person. Yeah, I, I love that so much, especially the point about, I don't know when it became such a big deal, like to be wrong too. Mm -hmm. Like if a professor asks a question and you get the wrong answer, okay, move on. Mm -hmm. Like right. it's okay. Um, and I think you can hold yourself accountable and know your worth and know what you can say is profound and intelligent, but also like be gentle with yourself. If you make a mistake, everyone makes a mistake. And I think this internalization of the fact that you always have to be your best at, in every environment is just so toxic um, because it really hinders your ability to learn. I feel like first semester, I couldn't take anything in because I was always conscious of like, should I say something? Should I not? Did I just mm. say that? Oh, was that bad? Um, and that's really hard. And it's really hard when you're reminded that like you're going to schools where the acceptance rate are less than 10. Mm -hmm. That's a really hard statistic to understand and then be like, and I'm in this space. So how, how do I prove that? Right. But at the end of the day, you don't need to prove it. You got there. That's, that's enough of proving it. Um, and so I completely agree with everything you said about the point where it's like you always feel like you have to be so profound and intelligent because you're learning you're going to college to learn you're not going to know everything and if you do then that's a really big waste of seventy thousand dollars <laughs> um, there's so much more to do with that um but yeah i think going off of that point that we just talked about what would you guys say is your number one lesson that you think you've learned at college that couldn't have been learned in high school, but you wish you knew or that you wish you could have told yourself going in? Mm, 
<laughs> I think Hard. going along with like what we just said is learning to like give myself grace mm. and you know sometimes you're just not going to get it from other people but you have to make sure that you're always forgiving on yourself and you understand that things take time and you're not going to know everything right away and also just you know the schools we go to are so fast-paced and so competitive and just making sure that I know that I don't have to be moving at full speed all the time. And if I'm not doing 30 extracurriculars or 30 clubs or 50 internships, it's okay. <laughs> it's all okay. Bria, I feel like you're so good about that. I just also remember in high school, um, I don't know, you just always had a really good way of like looking at extracurriculars and studying and like budgeting and managing your time. And you oh, would always you. just calm me down and be like, <laughs> It's literally going to be fine. Like, we know the information. We've sat in class. You will be okay. Um, so I, I also think that, you know, giving yourself grace is really important. Uh, I also think that the biggest lesson I've learned is that, you know, the right path that you can take is the one that you're supposed to be on. Like, I think there's this misconception that, you know, everyone has to be doing certain things and has to be, you know, you know, studying a certain major concentration that can guarantee you a job after you graduate or that, you know, you need to be taking certain classes and that you should be a STEM major and that you should be all these other things that society lifts up when in reality, you should just spend time focusing on your own passions and your own interests because you're going to be so much more happier. You'll find that, you know, within the fields of interest that you like, you can find great jobs and you can find great experiences and I think when you fully tap into what you want to do and who you want to be you're going to see how many doors exist and I think this definitely is a luxury of being at well-resourced schools where people can graduate with like you know not so typical majors and like have success but I think if you're able to be in those spaces I definitely think it's so important to tap into that and that's something that I'm really happy that I did um, because for so long I was debating like doing the typical like econ and like other things that I know everyone else is doing, but I knew uh, didn't like excite me and it wasn't for me. And so I'm really happy that I just decided to go down the path that I saw for myself. And um, it, it's honestly the best thing I could have done. So. Yeah. I think going to college and going up to people and hearing like every third person say that they're pre-med <laughs> It's just wild. Like, how many doctors do we need? I'm really, I really don't get it. Um, but yeah, I think the societal pressure to, you know, do all these clubs and do this one degree or do we, Brown calls it concentrations because we're annoying, <laughs> but whatever it may be, like, you need to do what you find makes you happy mm -hmm. and that you're passionate about because that will shine through. You don't need 15 extracurriculars if you don't care about any of them, like that's just a waste of everyone's time. Um, and so I completely agree. I think that in high school, it's like, go, go, go. And it's like, let me go to track practice before I have my model UN meeting after I have like three hours worth of homework, like do what you like. And that will be fulfilling enough. You don't need, if you have like three great clubs that you love and that make you feel, um, like worthy, then that's so much more than your 15 other ones. Mm -hmm. um, and so I want to preface this question before, because I think 
I keep saying that we go to like Penn and Brown and they're great schools, but so are so many other schools and they yeah. do not need to be Ivies. But I wanted to ask a question specifically about the schools we go to because I know there are a lot of stereotypes about them. Um, <laughs> and I was wondering if you guys could say anything to someone that is attending one of these schools or preparing to attend specifically like a young black or biracial or BIPOC um, identifying woman what would you say? And then once again, I want to say that like, these are only our experiences. So whether we debunk or I guess uphold these ideas about the school, this is just our experience and everyone is entitled to have their own. Yeah, I, I think that's really important. I think for any, you know, uh, underrepresented person who is thinking of applying to, you know, schools that we go to, I think the most important thing that, you know, you should just keep in mind and that I would suggest you pour a lot of like time and energy into is just really learning to love yourself. I think it's so easy to get caught up in just trying to equate your worth to how many acceptances you get or how many prestigious schools you get into. But in reality, you know, you should be focusing on the place where you think you're going to succeed in the next four years. I think when you really pour into investing in yourself and learning to love yourself, then whether or not you get into those schools isn't going to impact, you know, how you view yourself and what you can achieve. And then if you're already at those schools, I think it's something that you consistently have to do and that I'm always trying to make sure that I do and, you know, making sure that I pour into myself and love myself in so many different ways. Uh, just because I think there's so much going on around you that it can be so easy to get caught up and to start, you know, thinking about what you should be doing or who you should be instead of focusing on what you're meant to do in that moment. So definitely learn to love yourself because I think that will never lead you astray. That was so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) I would say my one piece of advice um, is that you can do it. And it's, if you get into these institutions, it is not because you're just fulfilling a quota. You earned your spot there. You're not taking away a spot from someone else. You rightfully earned your spot. You are worthy and capable and you literally, no one else can take that away from you. Your accomplishments are your accomplishments and your experiences and feelings are valid. And just keep that in mind, no matter how many people try to come around and debunk or discredit your accomplishments they just can't yeah period (laughs) period (laughs) yeah that is so true I feel like when I got into brown because I ED'd I was so worried about like taking people's spots and like these people that I felt were so qualified that didn't get in and I did and I was like oh my gosh like what did I do um but you did earn it and you got there and I feel like it's so easy to think that college admissions officers make mistakes, but the mm-hmm. the thing is they don't like they are getting paid to do their job. They are not making mistake. And if they did, it is not you, I promise. Um, and so, yeah, I cannot agree more with both the things you said, um, both of you just like pouring into yourself and loving yourself and acknowledging when you need to ask for help. And mm-hmm. whether that be from your family, I think Bria, you mentioned family earlier or from your friends, or from just people at the institutions, you know, there are um, professionals that can help you as well. And then also knowing that you earned your spot, and that even though it might seem hard, that's okay, you're going to get through it. It's so 
easy also to like just like cry in the sci-li and be like I need to go home and the sci-li <laughs> is the ugliest library at the Brown. worst like <laughs> I can't gonna, work in it I think there's like a sci-li Instagram and they're gonna come for us <laughs> oh but, most definitely it's fine <laughs> but it's yeah fine. reach out to who you need to um and it's okay it's okay to break down that's totally okay but just get back up and know that you deserve to be there and you're going to get through it. And at the end of the day, you're going to get a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to open so many doors for you as well. And that, that goes for any school you go to. Um, just getting the degree is going to be such a rewarding feeling. Um, and yeah, that is everything I had. Did you guys have any questions or comments or things you wanted to answer for people? Mm. Nothing I can think of. Do you have anything, Kim? I'm also just wondering about like untraditional resources that either of you have sought out in your time Mm -hmm. at Brown, like whether that's something that the institution provides or just something that you've done personally that you felt really carried you through like your time at Brown or Penn. I feel like you kind of brought this up earlier, but just making sure you have some friends from your background that you can talk to and go to and cry on their shoulders because Mm -hmm. there's nothing like crying in the arms of a fellow black woman and just like (laughs) pouring your heart out. (laughs) Nothing beats that. Like nothing beats that. And then just understanding what you're going through and affirming your feelings. That that's better than therapy. Or it is therapy. Yep, it is. Yeah, I would totally say that too. I was really close with my peer advisor, my Mm. Nick. Um And I think that was super helpful because she was also a black woman. Um, And then also I think for the first time ever, I was kind of reaffirmed that I deserve to be where I am. And that came from like the minority counseling at Brown and just like um, spaces. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I had that before. I also think, yeah, it's all about the people you surround yourself with. Um, It's about, I remember I went to this study session And I was like, you are what these stereotypes are made of. Like the people I was around, they were like so stressed and their stress was pouring into me. And I was like, this is not my environment. (laughs) And I think I had to have a level of self-knowledge to understand that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that was just super toxic for me. And then figuring out where I thrive and around Mm -hmm. the people that I do and how that makes me feel. Um, And I think that's best. Just being with people that lift you up and that remind you that you should be where you are. Um, and just reaching out. So your question is specifically about the resources though. I'm not sure. I think it was more like counseling and, um, Mm -hmm. those spaces that was really helpful for me. And then my peer advisor, but I also think, and Kim, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there is a lot of love at Brown and people that, are willing to help. Um, and I'm not sure if I experienced that prior to going there. And I don't know if that's the same for Penn. Um, but I think there is a good amount of resources, even if the school isn't giving them to you, like with people that you can meet, I think like having mentors and peers is like the best. Yeah. I think one thing or two things I'll plug is that, um, I know like the BCSC or like the Brown center for students of color is like a safe haven for a lot of, 
Students of Color on Campus, as well as the Saradora Women's Center. Those are places you can just go and just like exist and like eat food and drink tea and just kind of like relax. Cause I'm also the type of person where I can't really like be in spaces where like everyone around me is stressed or like mm-hmm. studying and like super like frantic. I just can't be in that kind of space and energy. So I think, you know, find your place on campus where a lot of people who mimic your study habits or just like your work ethic reside and just try to like be in those calming spaces. I agree. I think for Penn, you know, there's obviously the bigger like black organizations such as BSL or Umoja, but I think a lot of the support on campus comes down to just having your own circle. Mm. And I think that that's where I found the most support and that's what's been most beneficial to me. Um, Yeah. And I know also people take advantage of, you know, resources such as CAPS, which is like, you know, the psychological services on campus. But I think it comes down to just having people that you could call up and, you know, talk to and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, any place where you can drink tea for free are always the best spaces, in (laughs) my opinion. (laughs) Um, But yeah, reaching out to the resources you need to, reminding yourself that it was not an accident. You should be where you are. Um, And also not being afraid to be wrong. Like, it's okay. You have been wrong before and you will be wrong again. And that doesn't make you any less of a student. doesn't mean that you didn't study well enough. It just means that you're human. Um, And yeah, checking in with yourself. I think that's huge. Definitely checking in with yourself. And to anyone listening to this, also checking in on those that you love because they may be going through something too. And they don't know how to reach out for support or for help. I think that's also a big one, but yeah, that's everything I had. Um, And if you guys don't have anything else, thank you so much for being here and please plug (laughs) your podcast, where to find you guys, your Instagram, everything. Thank you so much. We are honestly so honored when you reached out um, to have us on. So we are super, super grateful. Um, Again, uh, Brie and I are the co-hosts of Heart to Heart, the lived experiences of two young Black women. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor. Anywhere you find your podcasts or listen to them, we're on there. Um, I had such a great time. This was such a good conversation, and Mm -hmm. I hope that we were able to make a good, relatable, just welcoming episode for anyone who needs it. And yeah, thank you so much, Haley. I love this so much. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you, guys. And if you guys like it enough, we'll make a part two. I mean, we're inside all the time. It's remote school. (laughs) So we have have time. We'll do it. I'm like speaking for you guys. They have a lot of stuff to do, (laughs) but I have time. <laughs> no, we would we would love to. Um and sorry, one last thing just because it came to my mind, but something that I recommend to like further uh if you want to look more into like imposter syndrome and just tapping into who you are, um it's a book called This Will Be My Undoing by Morgan Jenkins. I read it, I believe last summer. Completely like changed just my life and like how I view myself. So, I would definitely recommend checking that out. That sounds awesome. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get that from my library right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your evening. And thank you, guys. Thank, thank you, you so much.